we're blessed that all of you guys are here, and we're looking forward to what God wants to do tonight. We're just, you know, anticipating his presence. Um, you know, I always like to say and encourage everyone in this that, that, you know, the Bible tells us that there is no place that we can go on the earth to escape God's presence, right? The Bible says in Psalms that if I were to go to the bottom of the sea or to the tops of the mountains, wherever I go, there's no place I can hide. He, he, there you are. You're there with me. So we believe that, you know, through the, the word of God, that God's presence is everywhere. He is omnipresent. And uh, because of that, we can recognize that and we could know that, well, that means he's actually here with us in this room right now. And because he is here with us, there can become an increased awareness of, our, of each one of us, our awareness of his presence. And there are times, and I don't know how it works in the supernatural realm and in the physics realm, that the presence of God can increase, that, that there can be an actual outpouring of his presence. Because in the book of Acts, we see that the early church was together waiting for what Jesus said to wait for. He said, you know, wait in Jerusalem for what the Father wants to pour out. And when they were together in that upper room, they were praying, and they were all together, 120 of them, and the presence of God came in like a rushing wind, like tongues of fire came into the room and rested on each one of them. So there was... There was an outpouring of the presence of God that was more than what was already to be expected if God is everywhere at all times and all places, right? You guys following with what I'm saying? So I believe that, that we can anticipate, you can anticipate through your own personal hunger for God, your desire to know him, your desire to, to draw close to him. You know, the Bible says, draw near to him and he will draw near to you. So when we worship, it's our opportunity to come into his presence and to give him honor, to honor him for who he is as the creator, as the father of our hearts, of our souls. Um, and not only to worship him, but to have him draw close to us because in his presence, we get changed. Change happens, you know, how many of us know that we need change? I'll, I'll be the first to raise my hand. I, I need change. Um, and, and the Bible tells us, and we'll look at some scriptures later on tonight, that, that in his presence, we experience transformation. Like 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says that when we are in the presence of the Lord, beholding his face, we are transformed from glory to glory to glory with ever-increasing measures into his likeness. See, God has a, a plan. He has a plan for each one of us that you and I, as believers, as those who carry the presence of Jesus within us, that we would be transformed from glory to glory to glory into the likeness of Jesus. I always joke, that doesn't mean, ladies, that you have to grow a beard and wear sandals. We don't have to grow our hair out, guys. You know, We don't have to look like Jesus as in, the pictures you see that people create but it's the likeness it's the the heart of God the nature of God's character being manifested in and through our lives so that we are changed the places where we were once unloving now we have this unconditional love where the places where we were full of strife and unrest now we experience the peace of God because we carry it we begin to think through our circumstances, we begin to think about reality in a different way because we're now we're seeing things from God's eyes. We're, we're, we're evaluating planet Earth and all this crazy stuff going on on this merry-go-round planet. Everything, we, we begin to, to lift our eyes from Earth's perspective and we see it from a higher place. So tonight, as we get ready to worship, this is our opportunity to draw close to God to walk, to step into that holy place, a deeper place with him. You know, we would call it the most holy place, the holy of holies. It's a, it's a realm that's in the spirit, but it's not far. Actually, you and I are invited to just step into that here in this room because the kingdom of heaven, 
the, the realm of, of heaven is in the Holy Spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, that is where we have the kingdom of heaven, the realm of heaven. So welcome, guys. So we get to step into that tonight as we worship. And the, the key to coming into God's presence, there's several keys. I'm just going to I'm going to put one key. You guys make yourselves at home. Um, one key that I do want to put forth that's probably the most important one is Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that you and I have access. We have access to come into the presence of God, into the presence of the Father tonight by the blood of Jesus. So the blood of Jesus, if it wasn't for the cross, if it wasn't for the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, you and I would not have legal permission to just boldly walk into God's presence and present ourselves because there's a problem, right? Does anyone know what the problem is that keeps us from being able to just walk right into God's presence? Sin, right? God is holy. He is, he is righteous. He is sinless. And so as fallen humans, we don't have permission just to run into God's presence. I would imagine that if you did, if you, if you didn't have access God's way, his legal way, you'd probably just explode into a little fireball or something. I don't know. That's just my imagination running. I don't know what it would look like. You know, some of these guys are like, yeah, I could have pictured that. <laughs> Walking into God's presence and poof, you're just like gone. Um, God, the Bible says that our God is an all-consuming fire. So the creator of heaven and earth, he is, he is burning. He is bright. He is, he is powerful. And he is an all-consuming fire. But he is also a loving father who wants everyone to be able to come to know him. And he, he made a provision. He made a way for you and I to come into his presence, to come to the, into the presence of the father. Jesus did that by dying on the cross. He went to the cross and he took your sin and my sin upon himself. And while he was nailed to that cross, the Bible says that he carried the weight of all of our sins. He bore in his own body our transgressions, our sins. And because of that, you and I can approach God by the blood of Jesus and Hebrews says it's a new, a brand new and living way. We get to come to the throne room of God by this new and living way accessed through, it's like a curtain, like a veil that's opened up. You and I get to step into the realm of, of the spirit, into the presence of God the Father by the blood of Jesus through that new and living way, which is the body of Christ that was broken for us. I know it's kind of, maybe a bizarre picture for some of you. It's something that it probably takes most of us just time as we get to know the Lord to, to read that in the scriptures and then to actually step into it, to walk in it, to practice what we read. But tonight, God wants you to know that he wants you to come into his presence. He wants to interact with you. And the access for you to come first and foremost is because of the blood of Jesus. There's an old hymn that goes like this. I can't think of the name of it, but it's called Just As I Am, actually. Just as I am, without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me. And I won't say it the King James Version. You have called me to come to you. So Lamb of God, I come. Here I come. So we come because he shed his blood for us. No other plea, no other... No other merit that you can do. You can't earn favor with God to come into his presence. You can't obey him enough. You can't clean your life up enough to make it permissible for you just to go in around Jesus. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And nobody can come to the Father except through him. So this evening as we prepare to worship, we're going to come into the presence of the Father. We're going to come into the presence of Jesus, our King, by the Holy Spirit, and by the blood of Jesus. So that's key number one, the blood, the precious blood of the spotless Lamb of God. That is the only way we can 
know that our sins have been removed, the barrier of our sin has been pulled away, and we have permission to step into his presence to receive from God so we can receive mercy and find grace tonight in his presence. Two other keys, and I'll, we'll step on into the time of worship. And this is kind of good because it's giving folks time to, to come on in. So welcome. Um, the other keys. The psalm says that we come into his courts. Excuse me. We enter his gates. Okay, so there's a gate. There's an there's a access point. We know it's the blood of Jesus. But we also come into his gates with thanksgiving. And we enter his courts with praise. So there's something powerful about coming to God by the blood of Jesus with thanksgiving and with praise. That's why we worship. And tonight, you know, we're going to set aside a significant portion of this evening just to worship him. Because that is, first and foremost, our, our number one ministry as believers is to minister unto God. He doesn't need our worship, but he knows that there's something powerful happening when we worship. Something transactional takes place when you and I step into his presence and we begin to offer praise and thanksgiving. And then in the, in the presence of God, things start to become clear. The, the cares of the world begin to fall off. The junk that might be weighing you down just begins to fall off. You, you begin to have clarity and see things from heaven's perspective. So that's what we're going to do as we worship. We're going to step into his presence, excuse me, by the blood of Jesus, with thanksgiving and praise, and in his presence, we're going to encounter him. You know, we encounter his face in the place of worship. In his presence, his face is turned towards us. And I just hope you guys understand tonight that his face towards you means he loves you, and it's his desire for you to experience his favor and his kindness. He knows what needs to change in your life and in my life, and it's, it's his kindness that causes us to want to change. He doesn't expect you to change before you come to him. He just says, come to me just as you are. I made a sacrifice of my son for you so that by his blood you can come into my presence and that you could come to know me and, and grow and experience transformation by the power of God, by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that was a preach before the preach. So things are going to be really uh, just flowing with how God wants to do it tonight. With that said, you need to interrupt or not interrupt. It's never an interruption when your wife is like gra right. grabbing a microphone. <laughs> I got to choose my words carefully. If you, if yeah, save. Um, I had to catch myself, yeah. So if Tammy has anything, she can, she can grab the microphone at any time and hit me over the head with it, and I don't care. I'm just like, yeah, you go, lady. <laughs> I'm going to just read this. Um, you know, I was talking about our number one ministry is unto the Lord. It's, and that's kind of the theme tonight is intimacy and authenticity. Intimacy and authenticity. And we're actually going to read out loud together a declaration that came from a prophetic word given to our church years ago. And one of the lines in that, in that declaration is intimacy and authenticity. And what that means is God has called us to be intimate with him and to be real. We are not playing church. We're not going to pretend to be Christians. We're not going to be actors. I don't want to be a hypocrite wearing one mask when I'm out in the public, a different mask when I'm at home, you know, being mean to my wife and kids. And then I put on the Jesus mask here in front of you guys so that you will never know what goes on in the rest of my life. No, that's not what I want. That's not what you want for yourselves or out of me, right? I hope, hope that's not what you want out of me. You don't want an actor. Hypocrisy is being an actor. I want to be authentic. We want the real experience of Jesus in our lives. For me, it began 30 years ago. For you, it might have been just a month ago. Maybe it's today. I don't know where you're at, but one thing I do know, Jesus Christ is real, and God the Father sent him to be the sacrifice, to be the, the one who would rescue you and me from your own sin, from my own sin, so that we could come into a relationship with God. And he loves you. 
and he, he doesn't want anyone to not know him. He wants all to come to know him. So I say that as an invitation tonight that you have been welcomed into the courts of the king tonight. You have been welcomed in to come and taste and see that the Lord is good, that he's good. And for those of us that have been walking with him for a while, we understand that our ministry unto the Lord is a priestly ministry. When you become a Christian, you become part of a royal priesthood. We call it the priesthood of all believers. So see, I'm not the minister, the only minister in this room. Or if you're a Catholic, you know, that priest guy with the, wearing the dress, walking around up in the front there. Is it a dress? Or I don't know what it is. It's kind of weird. Um, vestments, there you go. <laughs> Looks kind of dressish, but, but hey, you know, it's tradition. But that priest is not the only priest. The biblical pattern is that you and I recognize God has given you a, a new position as a believer. You're a son I'll look at the guy. You're a daughter, and you are all priests. So congratulations if you're a believer in this room. You are now a priest of God Most High. You are a minister of the gospel. Okay, so congratulations. You made it. We'll, we'll uh, find some ordination papers and uh, put your name on it. <laughs> Psalm 134 says, Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who minister by night in the house of the Lord. I just love the scripture. You and I, we get to minister. We're servants of the Lord who get to minister by night in the evening hours in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. And may the Lord bless you from Zion, he who is the maker of heaven and earth. So this is our, our priestly duty tonight, guys. Why don't you stand up? Stand up with us. You can uh, resume sitting later on if you choose to. Um, there's flags for worshiping if you feel like expressing your worship tonight with flagging. If you want to dance, young guys, if you feel like you just want to jump around and leap like a deer, you can dance around the room. No one's going to pay any attention. I don't know. I'm not going to worry. If you do something like that, that's just between you and Jesus. Um, this is a room of freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So you have freedom to worship him with expression. You can be still and just whatever you want to do, or you can jump around like a, like a wild person, as long as it's your expression of worship to him. So here we go. We're going to read a declaration together. Are we good? Yes. Okay. All right, so this is Legacy City Church declaration number one because it's our own thing that we wrote. We do read some other declarations that are from Bethel Church, but this one's ours. So you guys are going to read this out loud with me. Ready? As we present ourselves to you today in this place of worship, we are believing you for heaven opened, fresh outpouring of your spirit, eyes to see and ears to hear, intimacy and authenticity, miracles, signs and wonders, the impossible made possible, established in our identity in Christ, unity and like-minded in beliefs, powerful pillars in the community, excellent stewards of his presence, a training center for inner transformation and provision for the vision. Amen. That was a good word. So Tammy's going to pray and we're going to get ready to worship. Mm, yes. Father, we just thank you that we get to gather together tonight and just worship you, God. We just lay our lives down fully abandoned to you. We just lay everything at your feet tonight, Father. Holy Spirit, just break in. We just call the fire of God tonight. Just come. You work miracles, Father. God, you heal, Father. God, we thank you so much, God, for who you are. God, we can't worship you enough. You are the almighty king, miracle-working God. Nothing surprises you. Yeah, good times. You know, I don't ever want to try to force uh, something that's been prepared when God's doing something in the room. 
So I'm just kind of trying to be sensitive to what, what he was giving me earlier today and how it fits in with now. And, and I believe that there's part of it that would be okay to share. So I'm just going to stay away from the notes for a minute and just kind of go off the cuff. Um, it's really important, you know, part of our DNA as believers, this isn't just a legacy city church thing, this is for all of us. You know, we've been called by God to come into an intimate relationship with him. Intimacy, like intimate and authentic. We don't, the, the kingdom of God, you know, the Christian world doesn't need any more fakes. We don't need pretenders that are just out there trying to do their own, build their own kingdom. God is looking for those whose hearts are completely his. And he's, he's looking for people, men and women, boys and girls, who will be true worshipers. Like worship, it's not just about singing songs. Being a worshiper is, is what it means to be intimate. Intimacy with God means you're being invited to become a, a worshiper. We all worship something. We all worship someone. It's where we've set our affections, where we have placed our heart and the, the core of who we are. Who is in first place? Who, who has the preeminence in your life? Who do you lean into when it's just you all alone, laying in your bed or when you're taking a shower and you're just in that quiet place all by yourself and all of your thoughts are going on? Who, who is the number one in your life. And this is not a, a condemnation or a guilt trip if, if he has fallen into second place or third place. This is actually just an invitation from God, I believe, that, that you would reorient, re uh, yeah, recenter, reorient your focus upon him. Because when we set our eyes on Jesus, we fix our eyes on him, things just fall into order. The stuff of the earth, the, the worries, anxieties, fears, hopelessness, all of that stuff begins. It may not drop off immediately, but we find our steady. We find our source of strength in Christ alone, in Jesus alone. He is life. He's the way and the truth in the life. He, he has everything you and I need. The old 70s bumper sticker probably said, Jesus is the answer. He's the way, he's the answer. Try Jesus. Well, I would say do more than just try Jesus. You know, uh, I would say lay your life down at his feet because there's no better place to be. Even, even when Mary and Martha were in the presence of Jesus and Martha got busy making sandwiches, you know, that Jesus didn't ask for and, and Martha got upset because Mary wasn't helping her in the kitchen and she was sitting at his feet and Jesus said, no, she, what she has is not going to be taken away from her. She's chosen the better thing. The best thing is for you and I to find, find a place of intimacy with the Lord. He's inviting us into it. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures here, but I'm probably going to just zip past a whole bunch. This is from uh, John 4. 23 to 24 in the Passion Translation says, From now on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshipers who adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. It's not that he needs your you know, bowing down and waving your hands, like, you know, get rid of all of those images of what worship might look like, like, uh, you know, s slaves before the master. He's not, he's not a, sl uh, he's not a taskmaster. He's not a slave driver. He, that's what the enemy is. The devil is, is a cruel taskmaster. And when you aren't living, when you don't have Jesus at the core of your life, you are under the dominion of the enemy. You're under the, the power of the prince of the air. And he is like an evil taskmaster. And you may not realize, people may not realize that they are being driven, they are being abused 
by spiritual forces that have nothing more in, in their plans and their agenda but to kill and to steal and to destroy the good things that God intends for your life. But God, he comes in as a father, not as a slave master. Now, there are scriptures where Paul says, I am now a slave to Christ. I make myself a slave to Christ. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But the, the first relationship you and I are invited into with God the Father is as sons and daughters, not as slaves. You are no longer slaves. You're not slaves to sin. You're not slaves. You're slaves of righteousness, but you're sons and daughters of God. And that is the restored relationship he wants with each one of us. But we keep that relationship growing and strong, and we, we pull the kingdom of God deeper and deeper into our lives as we learn how to worship him the way he prescribes us to worship. The worshipers that God is looking for are those who worship in spirit and in truth. There's, there's a, an awakening in the spirit. You know, you can't see God. You, 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 I mean, you might be able to see him. Some people are seers, but some people actually have had powerful visions where Jesus has walked in the room. But for most of us, we, we don't see him. We've never seen him in his fullness. So we don't really fully know, but we've tasted, we've had glimpses of his presence. But God is inviting us to come into an awareness of his presence, where his spirit, where he can lead us because those who are sons and daughters of God are led, are led by the Spirit of God. And he wants to lead your life. He wants to, to give you grace. He wants to empower you. He wants to give you strength so that you, with, with boldness, can say no to sin and yes to the things of God. Titus chapter 3, I think I had it in here somewhere. We won't get to it. I know that. Titus uh, 2 or 3 says it's the grace of God that teaches us. It teaches us how to say yes to things of God, yes to righteousness. When, when you say yes to the things of God, you're saying no to the stuff that God is saying no to. It's not a hard list of do's and don'ts when we, when we begin to press into God and we, we cooperate with Holy Spirit in our lives. You, we actually as we grow in that relationship and that intimacy with him, it's not just an intimacy of good feelings. And then as I'm worshiping with songs, you know, the good feelings, the tingles, the Holy Ghost goosebumps are all over. But then I get up and I walk out and I do whatever I want. You know, I just, I start, you know, I, that's not what God has called us to, to just live, live like the devil, you know, when you're outside of a, of a worship time, but then when you come into God's presence and, you know, everything's, as long as you can feel him. He actually wants more. You know, um, the, the Bible says in Isaiah, I believe it's chapter 9, you know, and they shall call him Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. You know, the, the famous Christmas scripture that's in lots of cards and stuff. <clears throat> and, and it says, after that, it says, and of the increase, the government will be on his shoulders. And of the increase of his government, there will be no end. The kingdom, the king's domain, the government of Jesus is real, and it's, it is ever-expanding. It is ever-increasing. And God wants, as you come into a relationship of intimacy with him, he wants to teach you how to say yes to his, his ways, yes to his government. He wants, and he's, he's a gentleman. He does not force his will on us. He's given you and me the ability to say yes or to, or to say no. But it's when we get stuck in saying no and, and get stuck in being stiff-necked and hard-headed, which I'll be the first to say I'm a hard-headed man many times, especially in my walk with God. You know, he, he sometimes has to smack me really good to get me to wake up. But he's a gentleman for the most part, and for, for all of it, actually. He's just a good, he's a good father. And he, he gives you and me the, the ability to choose to choose him or to not. And when we, when we get trapped in that cycle of not choosing his ways and going in our own ways, we end up in a lot of misery and unhappiness, depression, uh, frustration. Uh, I think we've all been there. I've, you know, I've had all of those different seasons of being just frustrated and, 
and waiting for breakthroughs and realizing that the biggest breakthrough is like right here between my ears. Amen? <laughs> You're saying that amen for me? In fact, the more that we're intimate with him, all those things that he doesn't want for us are just going to fall off because we're not going to want them because then we've captured his heart and our heart becomes what his heart is. Yeah. Amen. Good word, Tammy. So let's look at some scriptures here. <clears throat> Romans 12, 1 and 2. When I was a new Christian, I was asked to memorize this passage at my baptism. I was like three months old in the Lord, and my mouth was so dry I could hardly like mumble the words out. But I did memorize it, and to this day, it's one of my favorite passages. But there's, there's some powerful keys in these, these two verses. I would almost say that they're, they're keys for a successful Christian experience. When you walk this life for Jesus and you want to get to the end of the road and you want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, son, daughter, with whom I am well pleased. These are some keys right here. It is, I believe, from the Passion Translation, but you guys just have to deal with it, I guess. Beloved friends... Sorry, I wasn't trying to be mean. Passion translation, not everyone likes it, but sometimes I want to use it. So it says, beloved friends, what should our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? What should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? So that, that's the question. Jesus, he, he paid it all. He went to the cross and he took care of everything. He provided forgiveness of sins, healing of your diseases, freedom from oppression, new life in Christ. You, you get the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of you and release life into your physical body. That's just the beginning. He's given us access, Ephesians 1 says. To, uh, uh, praise be to God who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We have access to treasures that we've yet tapped into. There's so much that he has done for us especially his mercy. His mercy is new every morning. He gives you grace and mercy in your time of need. He just says, come boldly to me. Come running into my presence. I want to give you mercy and grace to help you in your time of need. Not mercy and grace to stay playing in sin. You know, we don't want to play with dead things, and that's what playing with sin is like. You want to smell like a dead rat? Keep playing with the sin. He says, come to me. Come boldly to my throne to receive grace and mercy in your time of need. Grace and mercy that empowers you. Grace, the grace of God that, gets, that teaches you to say yes to the things of God. So what's, what should our response be because of his mercy for us, because of what Jesus did for us? Our response should be this, to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness experiencing all that delights his heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. So worship, genuine worship, is more than just singing songs. <clears throat> Some of us you know, might feel like the song time goes a little long. It did go pretty long today, but I knew it was going to happen. But I also felt like this is something that's important for us to learn, and that's that we've been called uh, to, by God to be his, his priests, his royal priesthood that minister to him, minister in the place of worship. If, if you don't like worship now, you're going to get really bored in heaven because I'm telling you what, read Revelations and read about what's happening in the throne room, around the throne. There's myriads of angels constantly worshiping. And Anyway, but worship is more than just songs. Worship is, is a posture of your heart. It's an attitude of your heart. It's a surrender. It's yielding your innermost being to God, saying, I am yours. You love me. I, you love me before I ever loved you. Here's my heart. Just have your way. Just an invitation even, just saying, Jesus, have your way in me. Like, do whatever you want to do. Take my life. It's yours. Send me wherever you want to send me. Let my life be pleasing to you. <clears throat> Make me holy. Holy Spirit, he's the spirit of holiness. He, he's living inside of you as a believer. And we can actually grieve the Holy Spirit, the Bible says in Ephesians. Paul said, Don't, do not grieve 
the Holy Spirit of God with, by whom you've been sealed. We can grieve him. We can, ups, we can make him upset. God has emotions, just like you. You were created in his image. God has feelings. I'd sing it, but I won't. Feelings. He's the spirit of holiness. When the Holy Spirit is inside of us, there should be a real uncomfortable feeling when we're doing something that's not holy. It's called conviction. It's called conviction of sins, not condemnation. Condemnation is when you feel like you have been condemned to go to hell, that you've made the ultimate mistake and God could never fix it, that you've been kicked out of his kingdom and you're destined to go to hell and burn for eternity. You know, that would be con condemnation. And in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. But conviction is what the Holy Spirit does. He comes in and he convicts us. He, he shows us that something is not right, that this, this pattern that you're living in is, is not right, that this habit is something that I want to fix. I want to break its power because I paid the price on the cross for it to be removed from your life. You all good? You guys good? So the spirit of holiness, he wants to, he wants to release holy desires inside of us. And if you're struggling with unholy desires, then that's all the more reason to push yourself into the presence of God and lay yourself out and say, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you to come and fill me. Otherwise, it's just going to be a life of misery trying to do this kingdom Christian walk, but having one foot in the kingdom and the other foot in the world and just doing the stuff of the world, but in your heart, you know, you're like divided. You're, you're like cut into two. You're double-minded. I've been double-minded. Probably everyone in this room has been double-minded at some time. God wants to bring the double-mindedness, and he wants to bring it single-minded. He wants to ha you to have a single eye, a single vision. He wants to lock, it, lock eyes with you and with me. He wants to just, like, lock eyes and create a single purpose and a single vision so that you're not pulled back and forth by stuff and confused. He wants to set your feet on a rock. He wants to give you a solid path to walk on, and he wants to be able to lead you on that path. That's the invitation. You guys okay? We're going to have to wrap this up. I might just start skipping through. I, what I really wanted to get to is um, towards the end of this, you know, basically what I had felt like God gave me was to teach a little bit on our our ministry as believers, as priests, that you and I are priests. Um, so, but we're not going to go into that. I had, if, uh, if you can, you don't have to write it down. I think we'll maybe go back over it next week unless God changes the menu. I'm just going to tap through some of these Second Corinthians. We're going to skip that. See, so you are priests who are kings. <clears throat> skip that. Ha. Truth obeyed leads to more truth. Obedience, that's kind of what I was talking about. You know, the, the grace of God teaches us to obey. Like God's heart, if, if you if you want to know you're receiving genuine grace, or if you're if you're grabbing hold of real grace, not sloppy grace or greasy grace, those are all kinds of glad there's no one by the name of grace in here, that'd be offensive. But if you have if you if you want the grace of God but you want sin at the same time, that's that sloppy, greasy grace. It's not of God. It's not the grace that Jesus it's cheap grace. Jesus did not give you cheap wine. He gave you like the $1,000 bottle, but beyond. Like his grace is, is priceless and it's powerful. It empowers you and me. And so his grace teaches us to, to be obedient. So we're gonna look at this. The grace of God has appeared. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled. I could use that. How about you guys? A good dose of self-control? Especially when I get a craving for food when I'm fasting, for that Subway sandwich. <laughs> She's like, wait a minute. <laughs> it teaches us to say no to ungodliness. That's pretty important. We don't want to say yes to ungodliness, right? or worldly passions, whatever that might be. You can let your imagination run with that. 
but to live self-controlled. Hmm. See, God, God cares about your ability to control your body. He, he has purposed and planned for, for the believer that has the Holy Spirit living in them. He's actually put in your new DNA as a new creation in Christ the ability to, to live self-controlled, to rule and reign over your own body, over your desires. He gives you tools how to take a cup of cold ice water and dump it on that fiery lust that flares up or whatever it is. Don't worry, I'm not looking at anyone. I'll look at everyone at the same time. Not that anyone in here has fiery lust. That's why it's really important that... (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is why it's really important that we teach our children self-control and not give them everything they want every time they want it. And oftentimes that's some makeup for stuff. But yeah, you know how far that goes in our house. <laughs> um, that's why it's really important because like I've taught our kids, if, like, if you can't obey me, then it's going to be really hard for you to learn to obey God. So you need to obey me and you need to do it quickly. And they, they've learned that and it's setting them up. They may not even realize it, but it's setting them up to be quick to obey God. And I'm not saying, like, if there's going to be times when they're going to disobey, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if we just let our kids just run and never make, let, make them do anything, there's no boundaries. Our children aren't going to learn to have boundaries with other people, and they're not going to learn. It's going to be really difficult for them to learn to a quick obedience with the Father. That's good, Tammy. Amen, everyone. <laughs> Come on, this is a Pentecostal church. Let's get hooting and hollering here. <laughs> Lots of laughter. Say, oh, you called me out. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to roll? Okay, holy rollers. So self-control. It's good to practice delayed gratification. I would encourage myself and you guys that. Let's practice delayed gratification. Let's learn. See, these these things of the Spirit of God are, are things that God wants to renew our minds with you know uh, informationally and as we renew our thinking with his word with his truth with his ways we begin to exercise and practice these truths and as we practice the truth as we begin to walk in it and discipline ourselves disciplined ones disciples go and make disciples disciplined ones you'll you'll actually learn that it, it delights the lord and it brings life and freedom to yourself Think of those people that are so disciplined that aren't even Christians, maybe, and they eat all the proper food. They get up at 5 a.m. and exercise and lift weights, and you know they look like, you know, Greek gods here on earth because they're ta- they're disciplined. They're taking care of their physical temple. What if we, as Christians, practiced not becoming like bodybuilders, but just practiced discipline and self-control? Because that is one of the fruits of the spirit. I'm the first one. I'm not accusing or or condemning anyone. I'm just saying this is what we're invited into. Self-controlled, upright. Sometimes it's good just to do a physical gesture first because it's first in in the natural and then in the spirit sometimes. Just stand up tall. Put your head up, your shoulders back. Don't, Don't be bowed down. If you feel like you're under depression and you're just walking around, check your posture. Check your posture. Straighten up. Just like, lift your eyes to the Father. You are a son, you are a daughter of God. And you have permission to look up to your daddy and come to him and and ask him for anything you need because he's that good. So upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Okay, so we're going to close. I'm going to get to the last part here. Um, This is where I think we should stand because we're going to stand. We're going to read this together, but we're also going to pray. All you Christians do is just pray all the time. We need to. If you want to join us for prayer on Thursday evenings, we're here at 7 p.m. And we try to go just an hour. So if you want to come and pray and and agree with us, much of what we're seeing in the room right now is we believe it's the result of prayer. Um, 
you probably don't know what I mean by that, but multiple things, just the presence of God increasing, um, people coming and visiting, and God adding and building, because this is a new relaunch of our church, and you know, we're starting from ground zero again, so we see every person in this room an answer to prayer. So one of the things that we tapped into earlier when we were praying for Adele, and you asked for to, that, that God would move her heart to um, release people in forgiveness, one of the biggest things for you and I after disobedience is this area of unforgiveness. This is really easy. It sounds scary. sounds really, like, hard. But let's just, we're going to walk through. We're going to look at a scripture, and then we're just going to walk through a little forgiveness. Is that, are you guys good with that? It's fun. It's really good. It's, it's like the foundation of all inner healing ministry. Like, if you need inner healing like I do, if you got a lot of wounds from your upbringing and your, your whatever, your current life or your childhood or teenagers, whatever dumb stuff that you got involved in, like most of us, all the way up to this day, and you, you're like, I need healing on the inside. The foundation, like the, you, you can't get far in inner healing without this. It's forgiveness. Forgiveness. So let's read what Jesus said. Should have been red letters, I guess. <clears throat> this is the end of a parable or of a, of a passage here, but this is the key part. Then the master called the servant in. He said, you wicked servant, he, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have just had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Does that sound pretty harsh? Okay, this, this Jesus is talking here about a person who had a, a debt they could never pay. Translate that over to you and me, a debt we could never pay to God. And in this story, the one that was owed the debt forgave the debt of the person completely. He let him go. And then later on in that parable, that servant was caught grabbing someone who owed just a little bit, and he began to choke him and shake him, and he's like, you pay me back what I owed. And when this guy, the master, found out, this is kind of like you and me. We've been forgiven such a great debt. But how does God feel about it when you and I go to someone who, who maybe just did something that we might have blown it up into a big deal? Like, it may have really hurt. But compare that to all of your sin, the mountain, the Mount Rainier of sin debt that I or you owe to God that he has completely forgiven and wiped away. That, that thing that, that you've been wounded by that, that God wants you to forgive compared to everything he's forgiven you, the perspective of it all. Jesus shared this parable, and you're, you're looking at this, and you're thinking, wow, man, that, I'm glad that's not God. In his master, in, his, in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. God is not mean. He's not unjust. But when we live, when we get stuck in unforgiveness, we get put in jail. It's like a timeout. And if you feel like you're stuck, if you feel like I can't hear God anymore, I, I I'm not seeing breakthroughs. I feel like I'm not growing with him. I feel like everything is just like, you know, might as well just be a non-Christian because life's no different for me than it is for someone on, you know, outside the kingdom. Whatever it is, this is so easy. All we have to do is ask. So let's just, let's just practice this one little inner healing tool right now. It's not actually little. It's like a shovel for a tool. It's like a bulldozer, actually. So let's just close our eyes. And I just want you guys to repeat after me, if you will. 
Father God, is there anyone I need to forgive? Now, you don't need to raise your hand, but I'm going to just guess that he has brought someone to mind. Maybe you've already done this recently and there is nobody. But if there's anyone that comes to mind, the first person that comes to mind, let's just take that person and just say this with me. Father God, I choose to forgive them. I choose to forgive them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes when we choose to forgive, you don't necessarily feel it right away. But it's important to speak that. It's important to, to use your mouth and just speak it before God and, and, and say, I choose, Lord, I choose. I don't feel it in my bones. They really burned me. They really set me up for a trap or whatever. They really ripped me off, whatever they did. But it's important if you want to be released, if you want to be released from the prison, if you want to come out and to to walk in that freshness with God, it's so important that we make a choice to forgive and step into that. And when when we declare that, when we say, God, I choose, I may not feel it, but I'm going to make a choice. Oftentimes people will hear, they'll hear like a, a lock being snapped open they will hear something break. It often happens, and I want to encourage you guys to take that tool with you. Take it, practice it. If you want to go home tonight before you go to bed, or if you're just, again, either sleeping or in the shower, that seems to be the most quiet, meditative moment of my day. Um, just ask him, is there anyone else? If they'll, they'll, The face will come to your mind. You can name them by name. In fact, you could take the offense that, that was created and you could say, Father, I choose to hand to you this, this pain. I choose to hand to you what they did to me. And again, I've, I choose to forgive them. All right, so we're going to just bless everyone. You want to bless everyone or just be done? We're done. But we just bless you guys this week. Have a great week. If you want to join us Thursdays at 7 for prayer, that'd be awesome.